At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Fun stuff in the NBA here on Tuesday. The regular season is winding down as there's about, what, 20 or so games? Some teams have 18, 19 games left in the regular season. And playoff seating up for grabs. Taking a look at the NBA standings right now. Here's where we are. The Miami Heat are in possession of the one seed in the Eastern Conference. They are currently plus 475 to win the East. The Chicago Bulls are two games back as the two seed. They are plus 1,200 to win the East. Philadelphia is the three seed. Philly is plus 370. Milwaukee is next, four games back of Miami. The Bucks are plus 350. The Cavs are currently in the five seed, just a half game up on the Celtics. Cavs are plus 2,500 to win the East. The Celtics plus 950. Raptors are the seventh seed. Nets eight. Hornets nine. Hawks 10. The Hawks are just one game up on the Wizards for that 10th spot and the final spot in the play in round. In the Western Conference, Suns still on top. They are plus 170 to win the West. The Warriors. Our next six and a half games back, they're plus 185. And then the Memphis Grizzlies, who are just a half game back of the Warriors for the two seed. And Memphis is plus 1,100 to win the West. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, Jessica Benton, uh, Grizzlies pre-halftime post-game host, will join me as we'll talk about the Grizzlies and John Morant and the outlook for Memphis. But... They are currently in the seventh, uh, uh, seven games back of Phoenix. They're not going to get the one seed, but they could very easily get the two seed. They are still plus 1,100. Utah is the fourth seed right now. They're plus 650 to win the West. Then Dallas is the fifth seed, just two games back. Dallas is plus 1,800. This team is much better ever since the Kristaps Porzingis trade. Jason Kidd's done a real nice job with uh, that team so far. Denver is currently the sixth seed, and they are plus 1,500. We did a lot of talk about uh, talk, talking about Denver. 
because the potential for them is really where the value is with that number. If they get Murray and Porter back, this team who, when healthy, was one of the best in the NBA last year, outscoring opponents 16.8 points per 100 possessions. If they're healthy, that number plus 1,500, it's a gift. Because they should be more like plus 400 to win the West at that number. Uh, you know, and not, not I'm saying when they're healthy. Uh, the Timberwolves, who just beat up on the Warriors, they are the seventh seed, three games back of Denver. Clippers are next, then the Lakers. Lakers are only two games up, though, on the Pelicans and two games up on the Blazers, three and a half games up on the Spurs. Lakers are a team definitely look to fade as we continue down the stretch. They have the second most difficult schedule remaining in the NBA. Milwaukee has the most difficult schedule remaining. Chicago, the third most difficult. Boston, the fourth. The Clippers, the fifth. The easiest schedule remaining is Portland. Portland's remaining schedule is against two games against the Pelicans, three against the Spurs, one against the Pacers, two against the Thunder, two against the Rockets, and one against the Pistons. They play the Nets. They play Minnesota twice. They play Dallas. They play uh, Utah twice, and they play Phoenix. But Portland right now sitting as the 11th seed. With, based on strength of schedule, the most e- the easiest schedule remaining compared to the Lakers, who have the second most difficult schedule remaining. I think that Portland makes up the two-game deficit on the Lakers. And the Lakers do not get into the playing round. Just don't see it happening. That is, I will fade the Lakers, and I will back Portland to get this done. Here's some interesting future props. Uh, Taking a look at not just the the winners of the divisions, winners of the the things, uh, conferences, but regular season wins. There are a couple of teams that have some win totals that are updated right now. Uh, One that that, that we can talk about is the 76ers. The 76ers have 37 wins right now. They are 37 and 23. They have 22 games remaining. Those 22 games, one against Phoenix, two against Miami. They play the Bulls, the Bucks, Denver, and Dallas. They also play Orlando. Detroit twice, the Pistons twice, the Knicks, the Lakers, and the Hornets. 22 games remaining. Philly's number up on DraftKings right now, 51 and a half. So they have 37 wins right now. 51 and a half would mean 15 wins to hit that mark, right? You need 15 wins to get to 52. Can they finish 15 and 7 on the year? If they just win the games against all those 
difficult teams. I mean, no, excuse me, all those easy teams. That would mean one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wins. I mean, that's eight wins against those easy opponents. That's how you pencil yourself into getting 15 wins, right? If you just win those games that you'll be heavily favored in, you should be able to get eight wins right there. And then you look at some of the difficult games. They're they're winnable games. 15-7 and down the stretch. The one thing that concerns me when thinking about that is will Philly sell out to be the one seed? You know, I think they would. I don't think Philly's a team, like Milwaukee's different. I think Milwaukee down the stretch in the final couple of games of the season, final week of the season, understands, hey, the playoffs are a grind. It's going to take max effort and max health to really go through this two-and-a-half, three-month stretch and win ourselves an NBA title. We don't need to sell out and get the two-seed or the one-seed or the three-seed. We're okay. As long as we uh, stay above four, we'll have home court advantage. We'll be all right. Philly's a team that I think would want to be that one seed. Philly's a team that I think would want to push it down the stretch because they don't have the playoff experience. They don't have the, you know, for them, I just think it would mean something to them to finish with the one seed. You know, by playoff experience, I mean, they don't have the championship guys that say, hey, we've been there, we know what it takes. Like Milwaukee does, says we don't need to, we can ease up off the gas a little bit. Miami's the same way. I think Chicago would play for the one seed. I think Philly would play for the one seed. I think the Cavs would play for the one seed. I think the Celtics would play for the one seed. Miami, I think they'll get the one seed. (laughs) And their odds uh, right now, under one and a half. Minus 320 up on DraftKings. And that means finishing with the one seed. Under three and a half. Oh, I mean under one and a half. Because that means they would be the one seed. So they are heavily favored, despite only being two games up. But this team's good. And there's a, you know, looking at the schedule here. On Wednesday, the Miami Heat at the Milwaukee Bucks. Big game in the Eastern Conference. No line out just yet. Haven't seen a spread. Thought I saw somewhere that it was, let's see. What did I see? Five plus five? Maybe we'll find out. What that line is when you know we find out when we get closer who's playing, who's not playing. But if it's at five and the Heat are five point dogs, oh, I'm taking the Heat in that spot for sure. 
That's going to be an interesting one. That is circled right now on my NBA schedule for Wednesday night is the Miami Heat at the Milwaukee Bucks. Also think that, uh, you, you, you know, you got to think that the, the Sixers blow out the Knicks again, right? Because, man, the Knicks are bad. They are very, very bad. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant, a legit MVP candidate. And where do the Grizzlies finish in the Western Conference standings? Jessica Benson, free halftime postgame host for the Grizzlies, will join me coming up next. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VEASAN. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now wherever you listen. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game in every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson, on every key team conference and player to watch, from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today to get the betting guide, plus full access to VSIN through April 5th for only $19 at vsin.com slash madness. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Joining us now is Jessica Benson, pre-halftime and post-game host for the Memphis Grizzlies, one of the most exciting teams in the NBA. And Jessica, how would you just sum up what this season has been so far for the Grizzlies? I think the pinnacle of this season has been the last 24 hours for the Grizzlies coming off Jaws 52 point performance. First Grizzlies player to ever have a 50 point game and the energy in FedEx forum, the highlights, the man is a highlight machine. And I think the thing that is so unbelievable about John Morant is his ability to one up himself night in night out. We're coming off of a weekend in Chicago. He goes into the house that MJ built, had that sick 360 layup, puts in a big performance in a Grizzlies win there and then comes home. Bodies Jakob Pertle has one of the best buzzer beaters that we've seen this season and one of the best passes from Steven Adams, too, which can't go overlooked, and then goes out and scores 52. So the summation of John Morant being the star, but then on top of that, this group is just so much fun, and, and they're so good top to bottom. The depth has been 
on full display all season long and the chemistry and camaraderie. I can't express it enough. And I know you get so into the X's and O's of things, but this group loves each other. And to see their reaction, Jaws teammates last night, they're all around him. They're getting around him for the picture after it, throwing up their own fifties. They knew where he was when it came to counting the stats too. And they were trying to make sure to feed him, get him to that 50 point night. Ends up at 52. It's been a ride. How much conversation is there around the team right now about the two seed in the Western Conference? Seeing Golden State stumble. Now, obviously, you'd love to get the one seed. I don't think they're making up the seven games or whatnot between them and and Phoenix. But they're only a half game back of Golden State for the two seed. Is that something that's being discussed, at least around the team? Absolutely. The Warriors lose to the Timberwolves tonight, and it's, abundantly clear that they are not the same team when Draymond Green is not on the court. And I think what the Grizzlies would like to go out and prove is simply that this team is not a fluke. They are what their record says they are. They are who the standings say they are. They are one of the top teams in the NBA. I think they will certainly spend some time in the two seed, whether they end up that way heading into the playoffs still to be determined. We'll see if Draymond Green win and if he eventually makes his return to Golden State. But then the conversation for Memphis turns into proving themselves in the playoffs. They're the second youngest team in the league. They came off last season where they get a big play-in tournament win. They get one win over the Jazz in the first round. This was all about building on that. And I think the assumption by many was simply them being in the lower half of the Western Conference standings, but to be in the two spot. Uh, is a phenomenal place for Memphis right now. Well, we're all Grizzlies fans here at VSIN because there's a Love group it. of about, I, I, it's got to be 10 of us by now, that have Jaron Jackson Jr. to win Defensive Player of the Year tickets. Now, I'm talking some of us got it at 60 something to one, 75 to one, 50 to one, and he's now down to seven to one to win the Defensive Player of the Year award. So we're all keeping our fingers crossed, but what have you noticed about Triple J and the historic defensive? season that he has had yeah I think you have to at the very least keep him in that all defensive consideration based on what he's done this year look Jaron Jackson Jr. believes that he can guard anyone and he does like he can play the four when Steven Adams is out on the court he can also play the five with the bench unit we've seen him play the five a little lineup dependent along the way as well but he has that burst to to cover guards, to switch, but not just to switch. He can start on the guards as well. And then, of course, he has the length and the size to take on bigs, to be that elite shot blocker that we saw, especially in the month of January where he had 52 blocks and became the first NBA player in the last eight years for to block six shots in consecutive games. He had a modest 18 blocks in February, but it's a shorter month, so we'll just credit it to that. Had the all-star <laughs> break in there as well. But he's so fun. And the biggest things when it comes to Jaron is, one, staying healthy. He played 11 games last season. So to see him play in every single game, start every game for the Grizzlies this season, except for one, is huge. And then his ability to stay on the court when he is healthy and not get into foul trouble. That was something he really struggled with in his first couple of years. He's been much better about that throughout this season. And it's been so beneficial, not only defensively, but the Grizzlies are 19-4 and four when Jaron Jackson Jr. has scored 20-plus points this season. So he's been a critical piece of the success that they found. Jessica Benson, pre-halftime uh, post-game host for the Memphis Grizzlies, joining me, Scott Seidenberg, here on the look ahead on v uh, Sticking with the awards discussion, Jessica, I know Monty Williams is going to win the Coach of the Year, okay? He should have gotten the award last year, and with the Suns finishing with the best record in the NBA, it's just, uh, here, we're sorry we didn't give it to you last year. Here's the Coach of the Year award. But that being said, Taylor Jenkins really should be in the discussion, 
because this is a Memphis Grizzlies team, as you know, that's going to exceed their win total mark that was projected before the season. They're going to, in my opinion, finish with the two seed in the Western Conference, which would mean the second best record in the NBA. Why no love for Taylor Jenkins? Well, I think what you just said sums up a large part of it and the makeup factor of Bonnie Williams going to this year. But look, I think the Grizzlies are on the cusp of becoming very much more on the national radar than they've been. And that's just a part of being a small market team, right? I don't care how successful you are. It takes some chances to be on national TV. They have another national TV game coming up against the Celtics on Thursday. That got flexed onto TNT. We love to see it. But when it comes to Taylor Jenkins, I think the thing that's impressed me the most this season is his ability to just keep guys ready. The Grizzlies dealt with a lot of injuries early this season. John Morant was out for a significant stretch where the Grizzlies found a lot of success, and it came to really digging down defensively, finding their energy as that second youngest team in the league. They lead the league in fast break points, second chance points, offensive rebounding, just really kind of buying into what they do. But I think one of the biggest pieces that's most indicative of what Taylor Jenkins and his staff has been able to do is rookie Zaire Williams. He came in, it was thought that, okay, maybe he's a project. Grizzlies take him with the 11th pick. Some people were a little questionable of it. Is this a long-term thing? Is this a risk? And the trust that they've put in Zaire Williams He's had moments where he struggled just the other night. He got lit up by D'Angelo Russell and the Grizzlies lost to the Timberwolves, but he got benched. And his comments after the game really showed the relationship. He said, I trust my coach. I know that I'm going to get, not criticized, but take constructive criticism and be able to work my way back. And they put him back in positions. You go out there, you have DeMar DeRozan in the next game against the Bulls, and, and he played better. And I just think that Taylor Jenkins has done such a good job. He's part, He spent that time in San Antonio. He spent the time in Milwaukee. He has the po- coaching pedigree behind him. But between him and Zach Kleiman potentially being in the executive uh, of the year conversation, you've got to at least have those names in your book. What did the Grizzlies learn from last year's playoff exit that they can take with them to have more success this off this postseason? I think it'll be really intriguing to see if the playoffs go as the playoffs have tended to always go, where things slow down and you get more sucked into your half-court offense. And that's just not the way the Grizzlies play, but with such an infusion of youth and so many of these teams playing at a faster pace, perhaps that'll really benefit the Grizzlies. I think they just learn mostly that they have the confidence to believe that they're there. I know sometimes for opponent's sake, the Grizzlies rub some people the wrong way. They've got a lot of attitude. They got a lot of pizzazz. They believe it. They walk it. They talk it. They go on the road. They aren't afraid. Desmond Bain this season goes right up. LeBron James says, I'm not afraid of your footsteps. That's the kind of team that they are. They go into Madison Square Garden. John Moran says, if the baby's going to cry, what you going to do? We go up the chimney. We're not afraid of the smoke. So they bring that kind of energy. And this year, they just have a little extra years behind them. They're still so young. I mean, the fact that John Morant is just 22 years old, Jaron Jackson Jr. is just 22 years old, is pretty remarkable. But I think it's just the overall belief factor that they made it there once. Now they know what it takes and kind of that extra playoff attitude that they'll need. Grizzlies currently plus 1,100 to win the Western Conference. You mentioned that game against the Celtics coming up on Thursday. Boston, uh, with the exception of that loss to uh, the Pacers the other day, which was very strange, and the Pistons before the All-Star break, have been playing some of the best basketball amongst anybody in the NBA, especially defensively. Their net rating, defensive metrics, everything has been off the charts what does Memphis have to do to go into Boston and come away with the win? Well, John Morant go off for 60. Yeah, sure. Know. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. Back, back, back. Yeah, you know, like, why not? National televised game. But the thing that is 
where Grizzlies really shine too is they're most efficient when John Morant isn't just scoring, but he's also passing. And so to get those assist numbers back up, I think it'll be intriguing. The biggest thing with the Celtics is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown deciding, hey, we can actually play together. This doesn't have to be a one night on, one night off kind of deal. The Grizzlies have struggled a bit with some of the longer teams in the league. So like the Trailblazers have given them some problems this season. The Timberwolves have been a team that they went two and two within their regular season series, but it'll be interesting to see how they're able to attack that. And then after this game against the Celtics, nine of the next 10 for the Grizzlies are against teams who are below 500. So this is really a good solid test before you have to get back out there and just get what we call here professional wins against teams that they're supposed to beat the rest of the way. I love it. Jessica, appreciate the time and the insight. Uh, Great job as always, and hope to catch up with you soon. Thanks. Have a good one. There she is. Jessica Benton, uh, catcher Grizzlies radio broadcasts pre halftime and post game also uh, on their own network, uh, rise and grind on the uh, grind city media, the Memphis Grizzlies media network. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the look ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The college basketball season is in full swing. Grab a five hour energy to stay alert to watch all your favorite games, or if you stayed up late to see that intense overtime game, take a five hour energy shot in the morning so you can energize your day with zero sugar and an unbeatable blend of vitamins, nutrients, and caffeine. It's the perfect pick-me-up for getting stuff done. Go to 5hourenergy.com to find over 15 flavors to choose from with flavors like grape, tropical burst, cherry, blue raspberry, and more. There's a flavor for everyone. Get a 5-hour energy today. Scott Satterberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. My thanks to Jessica Benson from the Memphis Grizzlies joining me last segment as we talked about the Grizz and at plus 1100 to win the Western Conference. I, I can't say it enough. I don't know if they're going to do it, <laughs> but they're going to be the two seed. I do believe that. They are a half game back of the Golden State Warriors for that two seed. And Golden State is clearly not the same team without Draymond Green. I don't know when Draymond's coming back. And Jessica laid it out for us. And I've been talking about the strength of schedule, but they play the Celtics on Thursday. After that game, nine of their next 10 opponents are sub 500. They should go on a roll here, winning eight of their next 10 games. They're going to be the two seed in the Western Conference. And that plus 1,100 is not going to last. So I would jump in on that now. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Here's an update on what went down in the NHL on Tuesday. The Lightning, heavily favored over the Senators, go down 2 nothing. Early in the first period, they storm all the way back to not just win the game, but win the game convincingly, covering the puck line. They win 5-2. to two. You had the Oilers winning 3-0 over the Flyers. They covered that one. Columbus, a 4-3 win over the Devils as that game goes over the posted total. 
The Red Wings upset the Hurricanes in overtime 4-3. I was watching this game because I did have the Canes money line in a parlay. And Carolina takes the lead with about three and change left in regulation. And so I feel great about this. But 30-something seconds later, there was a clearing attempt that the Canes defenseman completely fanned on. He whiffed on the puck. Dylan Larkin picked it up for a breakaway on um, with uh, Ranta and slid it right over his shoulder. Next thing you know, we're tied at three. Game goes into overtime. In overtime, Carolina took a penalty with about a minute 50 remaining. And so with a four on three, the Canes were hanging on. Ranta made some great saves. But then with eight seconds remaining, Detroit picks up the win. So they uh, win as an underdog. Calgary, as a slight underdog, they stayed hot. They won five to one in Minnesota against the Wild. Uh, This was a game that was just... It was so hard to pick. I stayed away from it because uh, the Flames actually went off as a slight favorite, but it was back and forth. The Flames were dogs at one point, and these two teams just played in Calgary on Saturday with the Flames winning, I think, 7-3, to and now the rematch in St. Paul goes to Calgary as well as they continue to stay hot, pun intended there. Montreal was a team I was looking at. I was thinking about the sprinkle on plus 185. I also thought about the plus a goal and a half, which was only like minus 130. In this wild game, Winnipeg jumps out to a 4-0 lead on their first six shots of the game. And this happens. Okay, we talked about it last night when I was talking about the L.A. game against the Bruins where Jonathan Quick was just terrible. He just he didn't have it. And sometimes it happens. And when things go wrong, they pile up and goaltenders just get shook. I don't know. But Montebo just was not feeling it. Six shots in the first period, four of them went in the net. It was 4 nothing Winnipeg. And then, all of a sudden, the tide turned. And from 4 nothing, this was a 4-4 game in the second period. Winnipeg takes a 5-4 lead at the end of two. Winnipeg then adds three goals in the third period. They win eight to four over Montreal. So the good feelings about Montreal have kind of disappeared after that loss. Uh, Their winning streak is snapped. Colorado, this was uh, our main play of the day. The big play that we gave out last night was a two-team money line parlay with the Avalanche and the Golden Knights. The Avs, who were heavily favored over the Islanders, and at home, at, a, at home, a place where they don't lose, they 
actually were losing. <laughs> and they came back from down 3-2 to two to take a... Uh, they scored three unanswered in the third period. This team is just uh, uh, a, a machine right now, especially on home ice. So the Avalanche win 5-3. to three. They cover the puck line. We didn't play the puck line. We just wanted to do the two-team money line parlay, which was uh, pretty much about even money, like minus 106. And we should have played on the puck line because it would have been a nice plus money value on both of those on the puck line as the Avalanche cover winning 5-3 to three, and the Golden Knights do cover winning 3-1 to one over the Sharks. So our play that we gave out here and in our uh, subscriber email that you got every that you get every morning if you're a subscriber. The pick was right there. Avalanche and Golden Knights, the two team money line parlay, did come home for us. Robin Leonard made his return for the Golden Knights. Uh, first game back uh, since his injury, and he made 16 saves on 17 shots. Wasn't really tested much, uh, but. Still made the 16 saves on the 17 shots. So Vegas gets back into the win column. A much-needed win. 3-1 to one over the Sharks. And then uh, the Ducks outlasting the Bruins. Winning 4-3 to Trevor Zegras with the game winner uh, in the final minute. So a goal there scored with about 20-somewhat seconds left. Zegras uh, sends the Ducks fans home happy and a loss for the Bruins. So that's what went down here on Tuesday. Taking a quick look at Wednesday's schedule. It is a short four-game schedule. You have the Maple Leafs at home against the Sabres. Toronto heavily favored, minus 430, total of six and a half. The Rangers will host the Blues. And St. Louis, it's uh, minus 110. So this one pretty even both ways. And the total is five and a half. The biggest thing when it comes to any Ranger game is make sure that Igor Shesterkin is in net. If he is, they are the side to back, although Huso has been great for St. Louis. So this could be a tremendous goaltending matchup between Huso and uh, Shesterkin. Total is five and a half in that one. The Stars are hosting the Kings. Dallas is minus 145, total of five and a half. And then the Predators at the Kraken, Nashville, minus 170, total of five and a half. I would look to fade the Seattle Kraken. So the picks that I would make would be, you know, Toronto minus a goal and a half. Probably go with the Rangers uh, on the money line and Nashville on the money line as well. Those would be the games that I would kind of pick out there. If you're curious, you wanted to lay a little three-teamer, it's plus 392 on those three teams in case you wanted a little hockey parlay action. Taking a look at your standings uh, with the win, very big for Vegas because now the they are still in possession of the third seed in the Pacific Division, but Edmonton, with their win, they stay, keep pace. They're one point behind. Anaheim, with a win, is now three points behind. And beating uh, San Jose was huge because they don't get to claim uh, any ground. So Vegas still got a lot of work to do. They've only won five of their last ten games. But this was an important win for them to kind of turn the page. With Robin Leonard back in net, they should be confident now moving forward. Coming up next, we'll uh, turn our attention back to the hoops and get into some football as well. Ryan Kramer from the Sports Gambling Podcast will join me. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can always hit me on Twitter 
at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is, of course, the look ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free to play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only, terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Scott Satterberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joining me now from the Sports Gambling Podcast, Ryan Kramer. And Ryan, uh, let's start in college hoops. Uh, what did you make of the bloody Saturday that occurred in the top 10 just a couple of days ago? Just in time to create the public narrative that anyone <laughs> has a chance. Uh, we're we're going to devalue some favorites coming into conference tournament play. I love it. This is why we love college basketball. Everyone just hears jo- uh, Rothstein saying, this is Mark. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I love it. I feel like it was a perfect way to transition officially from football right into college basketball. Is there a team that you've been kind of high on that you think uh, has potential here to make a run, whether it's in their conference tournament or possibly looking ahead to March Madness? It's funny. Had you asked me this a week ago, I would have said no brainer, Texas tech. I love the way this team's cut. They lost their coach. It doesn't matter. This team is just battle tested, ready to play, but I love this Providence team. And I mm. will zag when the world is zigging on how, you know, 16 and one and in, in, in games decided by 10 points or less, this is a regression candidate, but I see a team that has guards who can get to the rack. I see a team that plays hard and even look at tonight in a game uh, that they ended up losing uh, against a Villanova team that uh, literally Providence had nothing to play for and they still showed up. They still played hard. And and, and as a four seed that I'm sure we're going to be talked into, maybe they're a, a, an upset prime for the upset because of those regression things I pointed out. 
I love this Providence team. I love teams that are battle tested, especially coming out of the Big East. Yeah, I, I was all over Nova in the first half. I was on Nova money line. Unfortunately, I was on Nova with the points as well. But I just thought you mentioned there, Providence had nothing to play for, and this was an angry Nova team coming into this one. You saw it in the first half when they went into the break with a double-digit lead, but. Credit to Cooley's team because they really came out in the second half and fought hard. And, you know, looking at them in the Big East Conference tournament, it's going to be difficult, but would you take a flyer on them to win that thing at MSG? Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, this time of year, you, you want to see a team that knows what they're going to do when things are tough. And as much as I love the way Villanova plays, for example, I just love that Providence can get their shot. And sometimes March Madness comes down to can that team get their shot when the pressure's up? And and I like the way that Providence knows what to do when they're pressuring on defense. They know what to do on offense. And you know what? Bottom line, they got dudes who can make shots. And, and sometimes that's enough to win you those close games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the NFL Combine is underway, Ryan. I know you're doing a lot of work with the NFL draft uh, coming up here in Las Vegas. The market's uh, not opened up just yet fully, but there is the market out for the number one overall pick, and we have seen tremendous movement in these numbers. It was all about the pass rushers. Now it seems like it's all about the offensive linemen. Evan Neal is now your favorite to be the number one overall pick. What have you made of this movement between whether it's Hutchinson, Thibodeau, or Evan Neal? I mean, as a Giants fan, this is crushing me because it does seem very much like the offensive linemen are going to be the value of this draft. Everyone is kind of penciling in Hutchinson there to number two, Michigan to Detroit. It mm -hmm. makes so much sense. And so, yeah, you know, circling back to where the value can be extracted from the market, it does seem like a tackle is going to go number one. Uh, the team drafting first already has their quarterback uh, with a coach who has, you know, done some magic with quarterbacks in the past. So why not take the tackle now to tell me it's going to be Evan Neal so much so that he's a, a minus favorite to be that pick right now before the combine, before pro days, before we really pick these guys apart. And I'm already hearing it. I'm hearing doubts about Neal's all around game, his effort play to play. And it makes me look down the board to Aquanu from NC state and say, Hey, all I hear is great things about this guy, how he's a two-way player, how he's got a mean streak to him, how he's also a finesse player. And he's sitting there at plus 400 plus 450, depending where you're looking uh, to me, that's a no brainer. I mean, again, this is one of these marketplaces where they have to react. They don't know anything now. They know they know nothing more than we do. And so to, to tell me I can get the number two guy who I think a lot of people have as the number one guy as a four to one dog, I love that. It's a great point, especially when you consider that everyone's just talking about the position as the reason why Evan Neal is going number one, right? You mentioned it before. Oh, they got the quarterback. You want to protect the quarterback now. The pass rusher is not going to do you as good as a 10-year starting offensive lineman. So, yeah, it makes sense. That's the conversation. More so than the conversation about the actual players. So, if I if if it's going to be a tackle, I'd rather take the plus money at a Quonu thinking that, He's got just as good a chance as Evan Neal to go number one overall if it's just the conversation about the position and not so much about the guy. Take the plus money. And we're hearing some comps to, uh, you know, some of the, the, the bad classes of the past, mm -hmm. including the year the Chiefs had the first pitch 
or first pick and couldn't trade out, ended up taking Eric Fisher. Could be a similar thing where whatever guy the Jags like ends up being the guy. So to tell me if it's a, a virtual coin flip now and one of the guys is going off as a, a four four to one dog, I, let's grab a piece of that now. What about the quarterback market? First quarterback to be selected, Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis have been jockeying back and forth for the favorites. Uh, you get a little bit longer odds on a guy like Sam Howell and even longer on someone like Matt Corral. It's it's odd because I think what we're looking into is the the future of no one's going to throw at the combine, but pro days are going to happen. And I think guys like Matt Corral and Malik Willis are going to look great in shorts. And I, and I don't know how good Kenny Pickett's going to look. I don't know how much experience shows up during those workouts. And I think we're probably going to be underwhelmed by his physical characteristics. So I love fading him as the favorite. And I love taking a piece of Matt Corral, kind of diving into the quarterback gurus out there. They really seem to think he is the top guy. If you're just previewing a prospect. So, uh, and then if, if you want to take a sprinkle, Sam Howell still has some love from NFL folks. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him at the squeak into the first round and with the weakness of this class, who knows, we could be looking at a class where there might not be a quarterback taken in the first 15 picks, which is wild considering the state of the NFL right now. Uh, Looking at the NFL, uh, have you started to dissect the futures market? Thinking about where you want to place a couple of, a couple of chunks. I mean, for, I I love taking MVP shots this early, Mm. Uh, especially, you know, God bless the situation we're in books are releasing all sorts of players into the MVP markets. And, you know, did a little uh, analysis, went all the way down to the bottom. And, and, you know, for the most part, uh, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, they're throwaway bets. But when I see a guy like Calvin Ridley going off at 300 to one, I saw this over at the win. uh, It's unbelievable to me for a guy who could absolutely kind of pop back up in a new situation. We were discussing him as a potential top fantasy target uh, from the wide receiver position last year. Could he show up somewhere and flash and have a Cooper cups like season? I don't know, but at 300 to one and the existence of places like prop swaps and secondary markets, you can sell. I love buying a piece of that now because I doubt those odds will be the same uh, come closer to the season. As far as quarterback, realistic guys to pay off this bet at the end of the year, I can't look anywhere else, but, but Mr. Herbert. Uh, he, he's he's going off anywhere from 10 to 14 to one right now. And, and I just think once we get through the off season, the mini camps, the training camps, his price is going to creep into the single single digits because people are going to see what he's going to do. They're going to see the fact that he's got talent around him. And Oh, by the way, he's got a defense and his team could win a lot of games next year. So if I'm circling a guy, circling a guy I like now, because I think his odds creep into the single digits by kickoff next September, it's Justin Herbert. Yeah. Uh, I think Justin Herbert, definitely a case. And I think taking a flyer on the chargers is absolutely, I listen, I did it this year and it didn't work out, but uh, I, I think I'll be on him again. <laughs> Coming up next year, uh, that certainly would be a team to look out for. And then uh, any other long shot teams, that team bets that you would make right now? Uh, you know, if, if I was betting on a team to kind of poke their head up and 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 do something, I'm intrigued by the Miami Dolphins. Hmm. Uh, you know, with Brian Dable and the offense, uh, you know, a little bit of uncertainty around that offense in Buffalo. I like the idea of having an offensive-minded coach coming to Miami and taking a team that has lots of pieces, a defense that was performing, receivers that look ready to take another step, and, and quite frankly, a quarterback that 
you know, I think he's kind of near the bottom of where his potential is. So uh, I love this Dolphins team. You're seeing the the Super Bowl futures going off at 45 to one. They're kind of a fun angle to me because I think there's so much growth potential, and I'm not exactly bullish about the other teams in the division, with the exception of the Bills. Yeah, very interesting take there, Ryan. Appreciate the time and the conversation, like always. Uh, best of luck moving forward. He's uh, Ryan Kramer, Thanks, Catch Him Out Sports Gambling Podcast. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the look ahead here on VSIN. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.